0: Hey guys, the Patreon is back. If you want to and are able to, you can directly support this podcast by signing up for the Would You Die Patreon for only $3 a month. You'll get exclusive content and monthly live streams. And as this brand continues to grow, I'll add more tiers and perks along the way. Also, while you're in the mood for supporting horror creators, check out Fangoria, one of the premier brands in horror. Fangoria has been delivering quality magazines since 1979. Each collectible issue features exclusive articles about your favorite monsters as well as up-and-coming terrors. Be sure to check out the Fangoria store website for subscriptions and a bunch of cool merch. And while you're there, use promo code WHATDOYOUDIESHOW for 20% off your entire order. That's right, 20% off your entire order. The promo code is WHATDOYOUDIESHOW. Applies to subscription and one-time orders. Applies to the first subscription order only. Now, it's time to chat some Resident Evil. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. Have you ever felt a knife cut through human flesh and
1: scrape the bone beneath? You're going to need a bigger potion. Be my victim. You are all my
0: Hello, my name is Austin Torres, and welcome to the Would You Die podcast, the show where we talk about our favorite horror monsters and villains. Today, I am joined by the rock band The Requiem, who just released their debut album, A Cure to Poison the World. Please welcome to the show vocalist Damien, guitarist Felipe, and bassist Salem. Hi, hello. Hey, what's up? Welcome, welcome, guys. Uh, Our topic for today is an exciting one. We're heading to Raccoon City to discuss Resident Evil, which first time talking about Resident Evil on this show. So that that's going to be really fun. I got I have a confession for you guys. Mm -hmm. I've never played the games. Oh, man. So I'm going to be learning. I'm (laughs) going to be learning a lot. This is going to be a great conversation for me. I'm very excited, but Resident Evil is one of those I guess franchise is the right word. One of those mm-hmm. franchises mm-hmm. that like, I know what it is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's probably one of the most influential and biggest video games ever made. But yeah, yeah. I just it's one of those things where it's like, if you don't grow up with a video game, it's hard to get into a big series as an adult. So I never grew mm. up with I never got into Resident Evil when I was growing up, so now I'm like, where do I even start? They're remaking, like they're in their remake phases, and I'm like, yeah. I don't know. There's so much
1: Resident Evil. <laughs> no, there really is. There's um all the video games, all the like side games. Then there's the movies, and then there's the animated movies. It's so much. Um, but no, it's it's a great IP and it's a wonderful franchise.
2: I played the first one when I was very young, but I was like really young, like I was probably like eight years old and this was on like the first PlayStation and I didn't like it because of the camera movements and I (laughs) re-picked up like the video games like a couple years ago, uh, I was probably like in high school and um, I was able to appreciate them a lot more. So as someone who got into it later on, I would probably say like you could probably start with the games because that's pretty much what all the other stuff is kind of centered around. Um, and the remakes are pretty good as well so if you wanted to start with the remakes you could because they're pretty centered to the plot too there's just details that they change
0: so for myself and anyone else who's listening who's interested in resident evil but never quite got into it where would you
1: recommend i start game wise i would say with one of the remakes because gaming has changed so much in the last like 15 years and i feel like everyone's like goes into a game expecting a certain level of like bare minimum of like how we look at graphics nowadays and how we look at gameplay how we look at movement and all that and i think that the original resident evil games like felipe said some people didn't have fun playing them because of how complicated the camera movement was you were watching the game from above and you were moving the character like in just such a weird mechanism. I think uh, Silent Hill had the same issue at the beginning too. But um, and there was definitely like a like a little magic to that. But uh, eventually they all adapted to like how everyone else was doing. I think Resident Evil did it around Resident Evil 4. That's when they started changing the way that they would aim and everything. And like that's also when much more people started joining the, the franchise. And then they went briefly into the VR, like, type of look, like the first person point of view type of gameplay. Um and now with the remakes they've gone back to to you know like how it was at first, which is just like you're watching from behind the 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 character and mm-hmm. the movement's much better. It's like updated to how like most games are. So I would say either the remake of Resident Evil 2, the remake of Resident Evil 3 or the remake of Resident Evil 4 would be great places to start.
0: Yeah that, that sounds great. Before we really delve into Resident Evil, I gotta, I gotta shout out. I mean, you guys just had your debut album, A Cure to Poison the World, come out. Mm-hmm. And yes. that's super exciting. Congratulations. That's Thank one you. hell, one hell of an accomplishment. How would you guys kind of describe the album to someone who's completely brand new to your music?
1: I think that. It's such a diverse album that I would probably say something just very basic, like it's just an alternative rock album. Uh, but I, I do think that that diversity is definitely what kind of sets us apart a little bit from from some of our peers, is that uh, usually bands approach that type of songwriting when they're already like solidified as bigger bands. But uh, we wanted to do that from our first record, so if we approach a different sound in the future, it wouldn't seem weird and it would have seemed like it comes out of left field. Um, kind of like how Bring Me The Horizon does it where the, you know, they have some songs that sound electronic now and they have songs that sound completely pop now. And then in the same album, they have a song that's like deathcore and has screams in it. And it's like, so we wanna have that freedom in our songwriting. And um, so I think that that would be a way to describe it. Also, it's a very youthful record I think that's another thing i would say about it and it's um it's a bit dark i wouldn't, I wouldn't say you know it's like a really dark record because there's so much darker stuff out there <laughs> nowadays but it's it's still a a, a dark-ish record and it, and it and it talks about you know mortality and and struggles of depression and anxiety and shit like that but i i think it also doesn't shy away from from being uh innocent and and also just having fun in certain songs and uh it's also a pretty vulnerable record. There's a there's an acoustic song in the record that's like I don't know. It's just, it's just very diverse record.
2: Hell yeah. Thematically as well, you know, there's there's topics of like like nihilism and a lot of our writing as well also comes from like shared experiences that we all have, but also like emulating ourselves as like these like characters and we kind of created this little world out of the album. You know, I think it's something really cool when people can like look into it and be able to see figuratively what we're doing with our our
3: songs. Yeah, I'd agree with both of those. I don't think I could say anything else.
0: I mean, that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Something I'm interested in, well, obviously this is a horror movie podcast, uh, but there's, I feel like there's like this really cool relationship between rock music, particularly metal music and horror films, they just yeah. go they just go hand in hand <laughs> not including resident evil cuz we will talk about that but what what were some of your guys' favorite horror movies and stuff growing up
1: oh man there's a lot i'm definitely a, a horror buff and like it was cuz of my mom my, my dad never liked horror movies i think he watched the exorcist as a kid and he got traumatized <laughs> uh, but <laughs> But my mom always put me onto horror movies, and she'd let me watch them even though I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> like I think that <laughs> I was probably like five or six when I first watched it, uh, like the old one yeah. with a uh, Tim Tim Curry I think it's his name, right? And yep. uh, I was terrified, man. I thought it was the coolest thing, like feeling that that fear at first. Like I just I sought it. I like I wanted it from like as many places I could get it. So. And at the same time, you know, the PS1 and PS2 had some of the best horror games ever made. So it was just, like, the best time to be a horror buff, I feel like. Because also the the movies that were coming out were, like, just super tacky thrillers that were just so fun to watch. I, I remember they had um uh, that one Bloody Valentine movie was cool. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. and that was the remake, too. So it was, like, <laughs> it wasn't half as good as the original, but it was still so fun. And then, I don't know, even, even the funny, like, Horror movies, like scary movies, mm, they yeah, were like yeah. very <laughs> huge at the time. Those were so funny, and um, but yeah, I would say some of my favorites were probably It. I loved uh Dead Silence, the the yeah. puppet movie. I was a very big fan of of Alien horror movies, so all the Alien movies, obviously. And then there was another one called Fire in the Sky oh, that oh, that was yeah. terrifying to me as a kid. Fire in the Sky and, is so good. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <And> then uh. <laughs> The last one that I saw that was really cool like that was uh Encounters of the Fourth Kind. And I remember as a kid for the longest time, I thought that was like a real, it was like a documentary. I thought it was like a real thing.
2: Yeah, I was going to say that's that was probably like the movie that got me into like watching like more horror movies. I was a kid when that movie came out and I remember my dad was watching it like in the living room and I wasn't supposed to be down there because he told me to go upstairs But I went down there anyway and I like quietly like watched it like there from the corner and like it terrified me and I was like holy shit this is so sick and I uh, just went and like started like researching more and I don't know there were a lot of it was a weird time for horror too at that time because like you had movies like this is where like I think like more indie production starts to become a little bit more like mainstream as well you had like... Mm -hmm the first paranormal activity come out yeah like a budget of like pretty much nothing it was like twelve thousand dollars but like it blew up and i remember as a kid like seeing that movie thinking like damn like yeah this this is terrifying obviously now like you look at you you watch that movie it's like it's it's nothing but like um (laughs) yeah i don't know it's very cool what's cool about horror is that like in every time period there's like films that are just I guess very dated to when they came out, but they're so good because of that, um, and you can appreciate them for like all the production elements and the different techniques that they use to create suspense and tension.
3: Um, it was like ten minutes since I heard that. It's what's the first horror movie you watched? Was that the question? Yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry, it was so long. That I you're you
0: know you're good. You're good.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, the first horror movie I watched was I think it was Bride of Chucky. It was one of the Chucky movies and <laughs> I remember I was fucking scared shitless. I was like six or seven or something. And uh, yeah, it was another thing where like, I wasn't supposed to watch it, but I was like, I'm going to fucking watch it. And uh, okay. i was definitely terrified of dolls for, you know, the next three or four years.
0: <laughs> I don't blame you. And it's funny because like, I just think there's something like when you're that age, like six or seven, because mm-hmm. You you rewatch Bride of Chucky now? It's hilarious. Oh, it's so funny! Yes. <laughs> it's so but funny. not not when you're seven. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. for me personally, my mom loved horror movies, and we we would have we had cable, so AMC would be on all the time, and they would show whatever horror movies. And I feel like it would AMC would always show one of the Halloween movies or Carrie. And Michael Myers just scared the shit out of me growing up. And Carrie definitely fucked me up.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. I think I watched the remake of Carrie first, and then I watched the original. Both are really good, but the original is just, like, superior. It's it's so very iconic. I I feel like that movie was definitely, like, a more mainstream version of, of, like, other, like, I, I guess, like female male characters horror movies like the my favorite one is probably like Suspiria mm-hmm. um yeah yeah but mm-hmm. but Carrie's like the most mainstream that anyone can think of
0: something i'm really fascinated by and i was kind of saying this earlier as well but like the relationship between rock and metal with horror when you guys look at your music or and think about your music do you <laughs> notice any horror film influences 100%. Because like I mean there's bands like Black Sabbath, obviously yeah. like they're very horror inspired and more like um like slipknot. Like <laughs> you can tell they love horror movies. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I feel like uh horror has been like embedded in into human culture and in every aspect of it. Uh so entertainment, you know, every form of entertainment is is bound to have a lot of influence from horror. I mean shit, even religion. There's like you know, there's some some churches have like built foundations made on like skulls and bones. It's like you know, there's so much darkness to everything. So I feel like metal is like built off of that. Like it definitely was born from that. Like very from those very dark themes and like mortality and all that shit. So I think that it, it influences all derivative musics of of that style even to this day. Uh, and for us specifically, uh, we're all horror fans, so a lot of our music is inspired by horror movies um we we were just talking the other day um about uh like what movies kind of have inspired our music some some of the time and um for example one of the songs in this record uh two lovers left alive that was inspired by like a pseudo horror movie called only lovers left alive and um so yeah a lot of like gothic topics like influence so much of our music and especially especially the music we've been making as of late and the music that we'll continue to do in this in in, in our next projects um because we plan on only getting even more theatrical as, as time goes by and we take a lot a lot of inspiration from like the early 1900s and those times to to like you know come up with ideas for that so in in that era you know they had so much horror mythology and shit you know jack the ripper and like yeah. even like all, all the freak show like circus uh aesthetic like that to a kid that of shit is terrifying so oh I feel yeah like, <laughs> i feel like all of that is, is, is um it's very influential to us
3: no I, I would agree i would say like everything that i've done musically has been very influenced by horror movies like i would say that you know, and I think uh, Damien feels the same that film and music kind of go like hand in hand in our lives. Like in the future, I definitely want to do stuff within, you know, film. But yeah, I would say like literally everything that I've ever done is very much influenced by horror. If you saw my room, you, I think you would understand there's just, I have, you know, Exorcist, Scream, Hellraiser, American Psycho, like my walls are like, you know, just a bunch of you know movies that I like and have. I collect a bunch of VHSs, too, of, like, old ones that are even shitty, like, you know, like, disturbing behavior and, like, the faculty, like, movies that really didn't get, like, <laughs> their shine, you know. But I, mm-hmm. I love I love horror, definitely. I, I would just say, like, slashers, too. But, yeah, I, I always think of, like, what would sound cool in a movie, too, is, like, one of my first thoughts that I have when I'm writing a song, like what typo song is in like i know what you did last summer like the first scene of the movie it's like Mm -hmm. i always think of shit like that it's like so cool so
2: yeah yeah
3: i was gonna say too that like i think both
2: film and music are just such expressive like art mediums and that they're very parallel in, in like how you can tell your stories and so um it's kind of hard not to have influence from film because, I mean, we all, we all love film outside of just like horror, but like with, with music, I guess like being in a band more specifically, like it goes past just, you know, us writing music. It also is like us trying to create like an experience for the listener and for our audience as well. And so that goes into our visuals, our aesthetic um, style guides, uh, the way we dress, all these kinds of things, you know, they're kind of just an extension of ideas that float around and exist in our head whether they are influenced by you know film or other art mediums so
1: yeah the song that that we first put out our first single diary of masochists that that was also like inspired by like a real horror story which is elizabeth bathory the (laughs) uh, like famous serial killer so even even shit like that i feel like we're definitely very inspired by all that and and then I think it's very natural for that to happen because when we were like growing up and and the movies we watched that were like slashers and shit, they had us to be like some of the best alternative rock music, like oh, yeah. of the time. Like I feel like horror movies should definitely go back to putting alternative rock music in in, in their soundtracks. Like there was soundtracks that I have, like even now I think I can find it re- real quick. Um, like this one, the the Queen of the Damned. Like, oh, this is possibly like one of the best soundtracks of a movie. Like, in my opinion, it had like Wayne Static of Static X. It had David Draymond of Disturbed, Chester Bennington, Linkin Park, Marilyn Manson, Jay Gordon of Orgy, Papa Roach, Deftones, Disturbed, Godhead. It's it just had so much good shit. But like horror movies nowadays are just I don't know there. They don't have that that cool aesthetic anymore as much.
0: It's definitely different from the 2000s. (laughs) yeah (laughs) the the 2000s had that they just had like a grit in an edge i think that a lot of those films were really mean spirited as well i mean we're we're in the post 9 11 like torture porn era so in the big movies of that decade are like saw and hostile and final destination which final destination isn't torture porn but they were huge in the two thousands and they they could get a little mean.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you're, that that edge has definitely been lost. I feel like, and it's been replaced for psychological horror to a very big degree, uh, especially in mainstream releases, which I, I, I appreciate, but I also still feel like something like the thing is far more psychological and far much more meaningful than half the pseudo-psychological shit that A24 puts out every year now like I think that there's better ways to do it but we've just become so like what's the word like it's so much posturing now so much like intellectual posturing in the world of horror I feel like it's not as fun as it used to be the last movie that I watched that was like a bit fun and it wasn't the greatest but it was it was at least least a little fun was uh, Talk to Me I really because like it that one. it had that youthful spirit and it, and it seemed like it was made by people who really just wanted to make a, like a horror experience for a bunch of fucking teenagers and it's like it really you know you felt that energy through the movie
0: yeah that one's a interesting one too because uh, I think it has that youthfulness like you said I think it's a it's got that edge it's mean spirited but it's also it's funny because that is an A24 movie and it does have like that intellectual yeah. I- thematics behind it. So I think that's a film that really, it just it has its cake and it's eating it too.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, that was like one of the, one of the last few things that I've really loved that they, they've they distributed. But yeah, there's some of the ones that are just like too, too like niche, too, too like they try to be too intellectual. Like that Bo is afraid one. I watched it and enjoyed it a <laughs> bit, but like, yeah. It Follows, when they first started putting out movies, Like It Follows was amazing. It really changed the game. But uh, I feel like they've been falling into similar tropes as of late. I feel like,
0: in my opinion at least, the most recent film that feels like a 2000s film was uh, James Wan's Malignant, which came out oh, yeah. a few years ago. That felt like a movie that me and the boys would watch and a sleepover. Yeah, <laughs> like those the are part the where the, movies the, the face of.
1: comes in the back of her head. Like, it's just yep. like that shit was just so like, what? <laughs> Who thought of this? Yeah, no, I, I agree.
0: Mm-hmm. I want more horror like that. I know Hollywood's listening. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> One can only hope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of 2000s horror, I guess we should talk about the topic of the day. <laughs> You guys picked Resident Evil and I have not seen all the movies. I'm very new to that world. I just watched the first one today. And (laughs) it's funny because I'm pretty sure I've seen it before and I didn't remember seeing it. Mm -hmm. And then things were happening. I'm like, I remember the zombie dogs. Yeah. I remember like the long, like, the the one zombie creature monster thing with the long tongue and like the no eyes. Yeah. That creepy ass motherfucker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and but I'm just like I think I've seen this before. I mean it helps that it is from the 2000s so I must have caught it in passing on like TNT or AMC or something back mm-hmm. in the day but it was mm-hmm. funny because I was like I, oh I haven't seen any I'll start with the first one and then I watched it I'm like I think I've seen this before, (laughs) but uh, what's the reason that you guys went with Resident Evil for today?
1: Resident Evil was definitely a big influence on the on the concept that we wanted to create for the record, or like some of the themes that we wanted to create for the record. Um, Because ever since like we first started working on the band, we we just we wanted to play with the idea that we could maybe create like a little world that is in in the music of the band and. One of those things uh, was the cure to poison the world. It was the name of our first song, and uh, we thought it would be a cool concept. You know, something that's it's a drug created by like a big evil pharmaceutical that uh, affects like young people or just everyone, and uh, it's a drug that becomes popular because it makes people that are depressed. It gives them a way out. That is like painless because it it kills you but it makes you feel really good doing it so we were like oh what if like maybe like a combination of like ecstasy with cyanide or some shit like that um Mm -hmm. and so ever since one of our old singles from some of our old material we made these little like pill bottles that we would put a cure to poison the world on them and you know we we used to have these two with this these are like with our old name and shit Mm -hmm. and so we started building up on that and like the idea that like we wanted to have like a very medical look to the band and like or at least to the world that, that the band like exists in and um when we started working on this record we were like thinking if we could fit all these songs into that and it, it was a bit hard but um definitely so the the main tracks of the record fit into that setting a hundred percent and um our artwork is going to show more and more so will our merge and in, in the CD, like, once it's printed and, and people get their hands on them, they'll, they'll look at the, the booklet, and the booklets, like, delves really deep into all that, like, medical world that, that we wanted to create. Um, I think we even used to make these blood bags that, that I have here, and uh, we used to put, like, the name of the band and everything on them, so. Oh, wow. Um, you know, we, we, we were always, like, very um, stuck on that, like, imagery. And that is all from Resident Evil, man. Like that's all like Virus T, like fucking zombie drug, like all that shit. So no, nah, it was it was really cool, and um, especially also funny enough, Resident Evil Four, the game. Uh, it it's like the most vintage looking Resident Evil, other than Resident Evil Village, mm-hmm. and like the whole like Renaissance and Victorian era, it fits so well with like the idea of like uh Virus T and like zombies and and all that shit, and, like the undead coming back to life and so even that fits with our new image that it's a bit more victorian and like vaudeville so it's like i don't know it's just us in *Resident evil we kind of click uh click very well
2: (laughs) yeah i i I can't really add much more to that i think that was was pretty like head-on i mean it's it's for sure gonna be interesting for i think for the next album cycle uh i mean we already have a lot of ideas that we're working on for that as well to in preparation for this this little world that we're creating but yeah i think just overall the the lore can get pretty deep if you look into it as well for the album like damien was saying it's not exactly like a concept record either because these songs as well we kind of write them we do write them from i guess a sense of like priority to the music as opposed to just yeah. the world so some of these songs it's, they're on the album because they're good songs you know uh it wasn't like oh we're gonna leave this song out because it didn't fit you know this um this concept so it's more of like a a loose concept but for sure and like you know things like our merch and our visuals and stuff we definitely uh take advantage of of pushing you know those ideas that we have
3: yeah yeah i gotta i gotta just let
0: them hold those two that was fine (laughs) 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 i mean sometimes if you say it right the first time it's just yeah, not much more to add. <laughs> I got <gotcha. laughs> Yep. I only got blood bags in my room. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the Resident Evil world is huge. And I'll admit, I don't know it too well. Obviously, I've I watched the first one. I th- I feel like I've seen parts of the other movies. Most I know, likely. I know Mila Jovovich. Uh, mm-hmm. I know there's one where she's in, like, the desert or something. That's the like third apocalyptic one, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I th- I think I've seen that one. Uh, if you put me on the spot, I wouldn't remember much of it, if I'm being perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. But I know that imagery. So whether I just remember when the movie came out and I just saw a bunch of commercials or something. Yeah. Or I just happened to watch it and it was years ago. I do think even as someone who's very, like just barely stuck their pinky toe into that world, there's so much amazing creature designs and monsters yeah. and villains in uh-huh. this world, in this universe. And I am I know a lot of people listening love Resident Evil. I've had people ask me, hey, when are you covering Resident Evil? I'll be like, ah, <laughs> uh, when someone picks it. So thank you, guys. <laughs> For sure, man. Uh, what are your guys' favorite monsters from Resident Evil? Yeah, I was gonna say I really like
2: Nemesis. I think overall, the the third game is probably my favorite one that uh, I've gotten to play. I haven't played all of them, but um, I've played uh, the re- all the remakes so far, and I've watched like gameplay for some of the other, like like Resident Evil Zero and stuff. Uh, but um, yeah, Nemesis is just such an iconic villain, and playing that game. That like villain is probably like the most terrifying one <laughs> because throughout the entire game he's just chasing you, but like even when you're safe, you don't know <laughs> how safe you really are um, because be <laughs> lurking around. So yeah, and his design is just it's it's incredible too. It's very I wouldn't say it's like goth because it's not goth, but it's like
1: like cyber goth. You know, he looks like, yeah, like the yeah, dance any given goth. moment.
0: That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh i just looked him up he's fucking scary <laughs> yeah, no, yeah nemesis is he's
1: supposed cute. to be a members of stars so he's a cop but he gets turned into this fucking gigantic thing that just holds a bazooka so it's like not only is he smarter than most of the other monsters and the zombies but he's also like trained to fucking just kill and in the games he's the most terrifying thing because he's fast and usually Resident Evil zombies are, like, the slowest ones out of any zombie game. So, you know, you have that freedom of, like, oh, shit, I can't aim that well, but, like, at least they're slow. But then Nemesis shows up, and you're, like, fucking running for, like, a good 10 minutes before you can find a place to hide.
0: I can see why you guys are scared of him. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I'd probably piss myself playing that game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but Yeah, yeah. No, for me, definitely Nemesis. And then uh, Ramon Salazar from um, from Resident Evil 4. He's like this oh. little Spanish guy who, and he's like fucking super like classy and like renaissance looking. But then at the end of the game, he turns to this gigantic fucking like demon creature. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. I'm not going to look that up
0: because if I play the I'm not going to look up that design because if if I play Res, the remake for Resident Evil 4, mm-hmm. I want to be I want to be surprised by oh, yeah. what yeah. what that guy ends up looking like. Mm hmm. To bring it back to Nemesis for a second, I just have to say he kind of reminds me of like, kind of like a cyberpunk, uh, cenobite from the Hellraiser. Yes, yes, hundred yes. percent. Yeah, he looks yep. like he he looks like he'd chill with Pinhead. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <And>, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, not to go on too long of a Hellraiser tangent, but I can tell you guys are Hellraiser fans, as <laughs>
1: well. Do you guys have a favorite cenobite? Oh man. The one that inspired the, the the fucking floating thing from Berserk is the one that has the, the thing in his mouth. I can't remember his name. The thing but he has like his... the he has like the hooks in his mouth that keep oh, it open it, so his teeth are showing He's always
0: always like cha- the chatterer. Yes, the chatterer. Like, like, he's yes. always yeah. And <laughs> he's one. my favorite. Because he has like no eyes and he kind of reminds yep, me of yep. the xenomorph from Alien.
1: That's exactly. what
0: I think of. And you know, Nemesis kind of has chatterer vibes too, I think. Uh-huh.
1: I'm talk, think... talk about
0: alien I have this shit right here Oh, that's awesome for everyone listening uh Damien has like a face hugger in a in a vial yeah, which is fucking dope <laughs> <laughs> yep how about uh you guys Felipe Salem do you guys have a favorite cenobite from Hellraiser
3: uh yeah mine would just be the uh is her name just the female, the female Cenobite?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they didn't come up with a fun nickname for her, but yeah. she she's she was dope. badass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh
2: I I don't I don't really have a favorite. I kind of like appreciate <laughs> all of them, all the designs. I like how varying they are.
0: No, that's fair. I mean, they're all great. I don't have like a Cenobite I really dislike. And obviously Penhead like that's an iconic character. Everyone loves Pinhead. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
2: yeah, for sure. That's why I was like, of, I, I mean, I think Pinhead would probably be, like, a favorite, but I wouldn't consider him a favorite. He's just the one that, like, I get to see brought out from that world the most, you know? Like, I play other games, like, like Dead by Daylight, for example, and he's in <laughs> it, and it, it's very, I think that
3: world just has just very interesting and, and cool. What's What's the big dude, Butter, Butterball?
0: Yeah, Butterball. <laughs> <laughs> With the fucking shades. <laughs> yeah. Do you? All right, this is going to sound weird, but I promise it's related. Do you remember the episode of fucking Spongebob where the. um? There's they become, one that looks like, just oh, like it. Well, they become like parody parodies <laughs> of uh the Justice League. And they're all like the superheroes. Patrick when Patrick's in his superhero outfit, it reminds me of Butterball because he has like the the goggles too. and I don't know. He just looks like Butterball to me. I don't know (laughs)
3: why. I thought you were going to bring up the episode of SpongeBob with the guy that fucking puts the pickles under his tongue. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like no more pickles. You forgot the pickles. His name's probably Butterball. Let's be real. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) oh that's an iconic episode and then of course and we're if we're talking spongebob and hellraiser there's the episode where they're in the dome and they're when they're in sandy's dome while she's hibernating and they're like playing pretend with sandy's villains or whatever and patrick goes who you calling pinhead yeah (laughs) oh yes (laughs) Uh, I don't think there's any SpongeBob connections to Resident Evil, unfortunately. But honestly, if there are, I just missed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think so.
2: Maybe loosely based character designs and some very few and far between episodes of like I don't know. Honestly, like you could maybe compare SpongeBob's like swole arms in that one episode where they're like throwing the uh the anchors like the anchor toss oh and he's wearing like the balloon arms or whatever yeah those arms are very similar to like nemesis arms (laughs) like just how (laughs) pink and like huge and veiny they get
0: now my head canon is nemesis doesn't actually have muscles he's just wearing the fucking balloon arms from spongebob (laughs) oh Oh, Salem, I don't think you had a chance to say who your favorite Resident Evil monster or villain was if uh, you had one.
3: Okay. Well, okay. So I, the only Resident Evil that I've actually played through, like uh, completely, is uh, the fourth one. And I played mm-hmm. it obviously very young. Um, <laughs> so I don't have like the best memory of, you know, the game, but I would say like the zombie villagers, I guess, are cool as fuck.
1: The Trash the team, Bethel.
3: <laughs> zombie Village. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, the they have pretty cool design. I think like yeah. the especially in the remakes. The cool thing about the remakes is they really get to mess a lot more with like the details in their character designs. So like whereas like some of these games were like very like pixelated when they
3: originally came out like they were able to flesh that out a lot more in the remakes and
2: there's a cool appreciation for them.
3: I was always under the impression that like some games like I did my friend actually got the remake of a Resident Evil and I was watching it. it looked great but I actually think like some games as much as like I'm hyped to see like the Silent Hill 2 remake and stuff or whatever um I still think like the the limited PS2 graphics something about it was just so like I don't know it was like they were working with less so it looked more scary if anything
1: it was uncanny. I, mean, I agree
3: yeah, yeah it even, like everything about it was like yeah just the fact that you know they they could only do so much to make something look like a human or whatever like it made it so creepy and I don't know you can use your own imagination also like you know when you play these games I mean, I'm guessing we're all like, you know, late 20s or whatever. But when you play these games as a kid, it's like you put your own imagination in it too, which also oh, makes Oh yeah. It so like yeah. The, the lack of all, you know, the detail could, you know, in your brain you can fill in the uh, fill in the dots. But it is weird yeah. playing these games now, um, because you're like, holy shit, this looks terrible. But like, I agree. It's cool
1: <laughs> even even with Manhunt.
3: Oh yeah. Man. I was gonna
1: say Manhunt is so gritty and so shitty looking that it almost feels illegal to still play it. Like, it's so... It's such, like, a fucking banned game that, like, I don't know. If if it was done very well with, like, fucking Unreal graphics, like, I don't think it would hit the same way.
3: Dude, it would be too much. I I don't think we could remake Manhunt because our... Oh, Oh, fucking ridiculous. I remember the first time I played that game, I was literally like, this is, like, the most ridiculous game I've ever played. It's sick. (laughs) It's so fun.
2: Yeah, that's something that is lost from like low poly horror is the, the the not knowing and the suspense as like an eight year old of you not knowing what is around the corner and if that even is a corner you're looking at because there's too, there's too few pixels to you to
0: tell. You <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, that is so true. And. Yeah. What you guys are talking about, I think that applies to movies a little bit too, because I mean, I, I, I can tell we're all around the same age. There's something about when like you, so you guys remember VHS, Mm -hmm. when you watch like an old horror movie on VHS, like something like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or the original Evil Dead movies that are already gritty, you watch a VHS of that. It's like, I know it's fake. But I, it feels like something I shouldn't be watching. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So It movies. feels like found footage. Yeah, because mm-hmm. there's a whole thing.
3: Just like VHS in general, like I've always, I don't know, if if you knew like my other projects, projects all of the stuff that I've done previously, I was very mm-hmm. much invested into like VHS because as a kid, I used to do skate videos and we would just use those old mini DV cams and stuff. So, like, I've always, like, carried that aesthetic onto my life now. And I think tapes are a very interesting medium because not only are they, you know, like, super pretty low quality, but they yeah. deteriorate deteriorate over time. So they just get worse and worse. The more you play a VHS tape, the worse it'll look. So, like, yeah, if you're watching, like, I mean, even even, like, I guess, newer VHS tape horror movies, yeah, you plug it in and it's, like, it looks so shitty. But, yeah, that adds to the quality of, like, it feels, I don't know, it's like a whole experience, you know? You put it, the yeah. tape, and I don't know, it's just, I don't know, there's something that it, it's just, I, I think everybody should experience watching a movie, not even just a horror movie, but definitely a horror movie on, you know, they put it into a fucking uh, VCR and watch it, you know, and hear the this, this static and like you put your hand up to the TV and it's all fucking staticky and it has that really yeah. high ringy, like, ee- like everybody <laughs> should watch. And then it just makes you appreciate you know watching a movie in 4k too like it's just i don't know oh yeah i have have copies of a lot of things that i have on vhs that i also have on um well i just have like a 4k copy but yeah
0: there are some movie because i i'm like you i'm a physical media collector Mm -hmm. and there's some movies you you guys can see my jaws poster i'm i'm Mm -hmm. a fan of that movie That's the one where I have it on VHS. I have it on DVD and Blu-ray and 4K. (laughs) Because every time there's a new version, I'm like, well. You got to get it. It's one of my favorites. Like, But I don't want to get rid of the older stuff because I have nostalgia for watching Jaws. Like through on VHS, you know. But then you're right. I also I I can appreciate the different versions of it, you know.
1: I, d- I definitely think that too. In the, in the older monitors and the old TVs, um, the color was so much better than than some of the newer TVs. You could mm-hmm. be like that's another thing that that I like for horror movies specifically because when the when the when the screen is pitch black on an old TV, it looks fucking black. But like mm-hmm. on newer TVs, it could even be like a Blu Ray movie, but it, it has kind of like a grayish undertone. So I feel like even the immersion of, of of the older TVs was, was stronger than, than the newer ones. So I think that making everything hyper real, if anything, it takes a little bit away from it than, than how the shitty quality was was back then.
3: I'll say this too. You gotta get real close to these old motherfucking TVs because they're so small. They're so fucking <laughs> tiny. Yeah. So I feel like that also adds the effect of it, you know, being scarier. Cause it's like with a big TV, you know, you can be a couple feet back, you can be a lot, lot of feedback, but when you're watching it on this fucking shitty ass, like, I got a fucking 12-inch, I think, this thing that weighs, like, 100 pounds. And
2: it's,
3: <laughs> um, You got to be right next to the motherfucker. So, yeah, I mean, if you're going to get jump-scared, you're going to get jump-scared.
0: Yeah. You got to appreciate growing up in, like, the 90s and the 2000s where a TV back in the day, that could kill you if it oh fell ass. on you. <laughs> it, if they, If they... Remade Scream, and they try to do that with one of today's TV TVs. Nothing would happen. happen. Like (laughs) Stu Mockers head would break the TV, not the other way around. Yeah. Have you
3: heard of the theory that he's still alive? A lot of people like to to keep that theory that the TV didn't kill him. I'm under the impression that that 400 pound TV destroyed him, (laughs) but
0: I. I feel like that, that theory comes from younger p- younger Scream fans who's yeah. never seen a TV like that in real life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. And, and like, I, I get it. Like, if I've never seen a TV like, like, TVs nowadays are so light and yeah. so fragile. Mm-hmm. Uh, TVs, when we were growing up, they were, you know, they were like fucking oversized Nokia's
1: yeah. yeah, like yeah, they were gigantic. they were tanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even the first like plasma flat screen ones were heavy as shit. They were.
0: Yeah, and you wouldn't think they'd be so heavy, but they were. Mm-hmm. And I, I tried to do a, I tried to carry a plasma by myself one time when I was younger. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I think I broke every vertebrae <laughs> in my fucking spine.
2: Yeah, <laughs> back problems for life. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Like those were deceptively heavy. Yeah, yep. Yeah. They were. And then for... the nowa- nowadays, TVs are like, if you look at me wrong, I'll break. For real. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're so, they're paper thin now. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I do, I mean, there are pros to them. Like, I can't lie. There is a convenience to just doing everything from my remote. I don't even have to get up and put a movie in the disk tray anymore that's yeah. nice
3: yeah i was gonna say but there is just something i don't know there's something like i feel like there was such a preparation to watch a movie at least when i was a kid you know i used to, yeah. always to i used to well i own now a lot of blockbuster stuff that i've you know i even have a <laughs> block like credit card uh sticker that damien put me onto, but um, <laughs> about like I don't know, like that shitty carpet smell of a blockbuster and plastic and, you know, the butter and you're getting, you know, you're getting your fucking VHS or your fucking DVD and you're bringing it home and you're making the popcorn, you're popping in. It just felt like way more of a, it was like a thing. You're doing a thing. Yeah. Now you just have this endless endless scrolling options on Netflix and stuff. You're never going to pick something. And then when you pick something, you're going to have like that almost like buyer's remorse of like, oh man, I could have watched something else and blah, blah, blah. And I feel like. I don't know, it was one of those things, I think a lot of musicians say this shit too, is like, when they bought a vinyl, um, mm-hmm. back in the day it's like, they listened to that fucking vinyl, like, it yeah. didn't matter if it sucked, it's like, yo, I spent however much money, $15 at the time, on this vinyl, I'm gonna fucking listen to it completely, and I think that's why a lot of musicians have such a uh, broad taste of fucking music is because you know if they bought you know, a vinyl they didn't like they're gonna play it just because because it was I just I paid for this thing it was same thing with CDs too um and that's why I, I always still I always want to make CDs because you know booklets you get to read the lyrics you get to see yeah experience and yeah you don't get the same experience from you know. I don't know you just I've always it it, maybe it is nostalgia but yeah like you know seeing some band perform on fucking like Conan or whatever the fuck and like looking forward to it and like you know getting the record reading the sleeve blah 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 all of it felt like way more immersive and you got really hyped about it and I feel like you don't get the same experience just downloading a movie on or not even downloading just fucking watching it on Netflix or um, I guess just listening to an album on Spotify and all you see is the front cover it's like it's not the same
1: yeah I think it is nostalgia, but it also is like what you're saying of like the the ritualistic aspect of of collecting media and and taking care of it or just like just interacting with it physically. I think that that's the reason why some underground movies have been able to have a cult following and survive, you know, the test of time because they were – passed down like physically like yo check this shit out like you know this this is really good but it's like it's it's like a hidden gem whereas now everything that's coming out is not coming out physically most of it is going to come out just for streaming services and they're going to get lost like inevitably so i i do agree that it is nostalgia but it it is also that i I see it too
0: and that's that's really an, an interesting discussion to be had i think because there are pros and cons to streaming movies and music but i think there is something lost from when we were growing up of you guys said it best like it's the immersion it's Mm -hmm. the you actually had to leave your house to get new music (laughs) or to see like the new horror movie and a lot of movies coming out now will be lost in it and some will survive and there's you know like fucking terrifier went straight to streaming on like yeah. Netflix or wherever it went. And that still managed to become a cult hit.
1: Yeah. hundred percent.
0: I really can't think of any other success stories. Whereas in the eighties, yeah. like movies like reanimator or, wow. um, movie so much right. Or like popcorn or That's... like a bunch evil That's... dead. Like, evil dead yeah is
3: that's mm-hmm. that's a good point to bring up too about horror that has, cannibal
1: holocaust
3: has yeah that's completely, <laughs> completely like in my opinion almost like ruined horror is so much cgi like reanimator like all that fucking like real makeup and all the, it's just like it Something about it, like obviously it's so cheesy, and you can tell, like his head, you can tell he's under the fucking table. Or whatever, like obviously, <laughs> but it's so much better than CGI because it's still real. It's not, it's not digital. There's like there, this was filmed. There's not, you know, it, it wasn't added to it in the end. So I always like stuff like that. There was a, a movie called uh, what was it, The Void, or something like that. That used yeah, to yeah The Void like prosthetics and like real. Yeah. Shit. That's a good movie that's the best stuff to use but there there has been some good i I would say like there's been some really good uh horror movies that i can't like i would say get out is like one of those movies that's like now yeah
1: because
3: it's it's just so good and it's like from a perspective that i feel like not a lot of people um would kind of understand like i remember when i saw that in the movie theater um there's only been like one other experience where i've been in the theater and like i had that experience that was like you know what you would see I guess like in old movies when they would put people in movie theaters where like people are like cheering and shit. Like when I saw Get Out, it was fucking packed. No seats yeah. available. Everybody was cheering. Everybody was oh my god, fuck. Everybody was like shit, you know. <laughs> and I, I like hardly ever get to to experience that. And I remember that was like one of my favorite movie theater experiences to this day was seeing Get Out. So oh, man. that up there as a classic now because that movie is fucking good.
1: The the only time I've had that experience was watching Revenge of the Sith as a little kid. Oh, (laughs) oh my God. (laughs) Everyone was fucking going
3: crazy, bro. (laughs) Yeah, Spider-Man 2 in theaters was crazy.
0: Oh, I fucking love Spider-Man 2. My mom took me to go see Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds when that came out. Oh, man. I was 10 at that. Yeah, it came out 2005, so I just turned 10. And holy shit. I feel like I just said this on a recent episode of my, but I don't care. I'm nostalgic for no- War of the Worlds, um, yeah. but seeing that movie in theaters like low key traumatized me a little bit. It was it was too intense for ten year old me, and I loved it. I think it shaped me as as a horror loving podcaster I am right now. <laughs>
1: right? Oh, hell
0: yeah! Isn't that movie
3: like? Uh, wasn't the outcome of the movie that? the, like, aliens or whatever got sick with, like, the cold or whatever, or, like, the it was or, Yeah. And that's why they, I remember, I forgot where, because I, I think everybody saw that movie, you know, as, you know, a younger, you know. Probably. That was an
0: event movie. Yeah. yeah it, it, was,
3: it was. It was even in, in
1: Scary Movie 4, like, half the movie was trying to parody War of the Worlds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah.
3: But I remember that movie was fucking, it was fun. It was a fun movie.
1: Yeah. No, Tom Cruise killed it on that. Dakota Fanning too. Even I haven't seen her in anything in like the last ten years, but she used to be one of the best actresses from back then. Last I saw her was
0: in um Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and she had that little bit role. Oh, you're so sure right. She is in that. Yeah, and she killed it in the five minutes of screen time. But I mean, yeah. if. Tar- <laughs> If Tarantino's calling, you're going to answer the phone. Yeah, yeah. You, you need Anyone me for two minutes. Anyone would come retirement for that. <laughs> but and you know she killed it. She like I think that's one of the best parts of the movie. And yeah, but um, you know when you make all, if you can make all your money when you're a kid, and then you can do whatever you want for the. Oh, I'm yeah. hoping she's doing whatever she wants. So, um, uh, because I like her, so I thought she was great. And War of the Worlds, and you know, everything really. So, I hope she's happy. I don't think she's listening, but it'd be <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'd, oh it'd be nice if she was, you know, doing well. <laughs> cool. I, I'm sending good vibes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then the other kid in that movie was, um, he was sick, but I, I saw him in, a, in only like one other movie, which was like possibly one of the worst movies I've ever seen. But now I love it. I hold it so close to my heart. It's the Dragon Ball. Live action. Oh, movie. he was the protagonist <laughs> now. <in> that <one.
0: laughs> Man, that's rough. <laughs> it's rough when you when you're in one of those movies that like everyone dislikes. Oh, yeah, no, it's terrible. I have not yeah. seen it, but I've seen the reactions and I'm just like, I haven't
1: even seen the movie, but I'm just like I
0: kind of feel bad. <laughs>
1: it's it, the thing is that it's so bad that now it's good. Now it's funny to watch it. It's like The Room. It's so okay. bad that it's good.
0: <laughs> and you know what? If it's bring if it's making people smile, is it really that bad? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you guys remember falling asleep to like a movie on DVD? And waking up at like three in the morning to the fucking disc menu. And yeah. Yep.
3: <laughs> the worst Those was, were
0: the ditties.
3: The worst it was is. waking up to George Lopez, dude. That was fucking real. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that was, fucking real. That was some Shit. I'd wake up, be like, oh no, he's floating.
2: That, real. I, I like that one. Cause like I don't know, it felt George Lopez over time felt super familiar. So like, yeah, it'd be me waking up and I'm like, oh, it's like my uncle. (laughs) (laughs) My uncle is flying now. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. Like some loud noise that is foreign to me. You know.
0: (laughs) I love how this episode went from an episode about Resident Evil to just 2000s media nostalgia.
1: Yeah. oh man i'm not gonna lie every every conversation we have whenever we're just chilling ends up on this like regardless yeah
0: yeah i love it <laughs> and
1: i'm honored to be a part of this one and in all
0: fairness resident evil is a yeah. 2000s yeah like yeah at least the movies I'm, I, I'm i'm sure the games came out in the 90s
1: the first ones but uh Uh, the first 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 one probably a 99 or 98 98 i think uh but but the the biggest ones definitely in the early 2000s too from 2004 to 2007. um Mm -hmm. yeah so
0: we'll claim resident evil for the 2000s i i'm comfortable making that claim then and if anyone wants to argue uh come at me on twitter or instagram boost my algorithm i need more followers <laughs> not kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but um i'm so fucking nostalgic for the 2000s at right now i mean you mentioned revenge of the sith earlier. oh yeah. it's like that that movie was an event as well like everyone yeah. saw that in theaters and it yeah. wasn't a
1: disappointing one like the fucking force awakens and all the <laughs> <other> ones. <laughs> and it's just like i'm just like i i i don't
0: think things were better then um cuz no, they, they were. were definitely different
2: <laughs> no they, they were. were okay <laughs> okay i
0: think it's uh and i was going to say this
2: earlier but i think yeah. the ambiguity in like i guess like digesting media you know like mm-hmm. perceiving it as well as like i mean i was a kid so i wouldn't know but like i would imagine as well as a creator you know whether a filmmaker and artist as well the process of making it like the ambiguity in that as well was probably just what helped uh push for more creative ideas and um you know people didn't have to people today can cut corners in making art and a lot of you know filmmakers do and um well as like artists and music and whatnot but back then like you couldn't really cut corners it genuinely was like you have to figure out how to make a dragon look good in this like a small budget movie like <laughs> yeah you know figured out type shit so and i think that forced a lot of people to use their minds a bit more to storytelling you know
1: i i agree 100%. also like it definitely wasn't better but i do think that the things that were great were fucking great. And the things that were bad were bad, but they were so bad that they had that little magic to them. And so everything had its essence. Whereas now everything it's like a, such a specific standard. So it's nothing's extremely great and nothing's extremely bad either. So it's just that like little flat ground of boredom. And like, I don't know.
0: That's, that's interesting because like, I feel like time is the greatest judge, the greatest Mm -hmm. critic. So 20 years from now, when we're looking back at the 2020s, whatever movies we're still thinking about, I feel like those would be the ones that like, those were the great ones, you know? Yeah. And it's hard to tell what it is. Now, uh, but now that we're getting away from the 2010s, I can safely say It Follows was a banger.
1: Yeah. In oh, terms yeah. of horror. 100%.
0: The Conjuring, Was a banger, like people love that movie in that franchise. Mm -hmm. I'm I will always be it in a insidious defender. I fucking love insidious, I loved insidious, and like and get out's gonna stand the test of time
1: earlier than that. Saw is just like,
0: oh yeah, they're still making saw movies, (laughs) (laughs) Saw, saw definitely stands the test of time for sure. Because uh, that, that was James Wan, too,
1: right? The, the first oh, yeah. one, at least. Yeah, he's yeah. he's a genius, man. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a big
0: Wan you, fan. You're right
1: about that. Time definitely shows you which ones. Because uh, that's that's why The Shining is still, you know? Yeah. They're still clicking with that movie because it's just that mm-hmm. good.
0: And it's like when we're thinking of the 2000s, we're thinking of like a lot of the great ones or the more standout ones. There are a lot of movies that came out that we probably don't remember.
1: <laughs> yeah. So many. Yeah.
0: They're just meh are
1: there's all the ones yeah. that were like the competition of scary movie though they were like right uh, the, the parody of narnia like movie. i didn't even remember that one existed until like a couple years ago and then i watched it. i was like wow this is really shit like right <laughs> and they, they were doing fucked up. they were like killing hannah montana in it like they were, there was so much like celebrity hate back then that they were getting away with it was terrible <laughs> and like when we were growing up
0: I mean, there's a great horror movies when we were growing up, like Saw, you know, but a lot of them were just remakes of what came out in the 80s. Like, yeah. yeah. And like fucking Halloween had a remake. The Rob Zombies. Yeah. Yeah, Texas Chainsaw had a remake. And those are good remakes. I I like them at least. But then, Mm -hmm. like, do we really need to remake Prom Night? Do we really need to remake The Fog? And last house on the left and you know whatever yeah there were so and like did we really need to remake a
1: nightmare on Elm street like <laughs> that one was a, that one was an odd one that one was so different from the original ones and it's weird because the friday the
0: 13th remake was actually really good i thought yeah that one was <laughs> right
3: <laughs> Yo, know, i'm not gonna lie freddy versus jason is kind of valid though that movie's hilariously dope
0: I oh, hell yeah.
1: another one with a sick ass soundtrack man. This yeah. is a Freddy
0: versus Jason Safe Space. If you don't like <laughs> Freddy versus Jason, I don't like you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know what actually, the
3: best fucking soundtrack and it actually was a remake was fucking uh House of Wax. That Oh hell man, yes. Let's go. Be, I don't give a fuck. I'm holding that movie in such like I I use letterbox obviously I'm a nerd. I gave that movie a four out of five, which is like, you bro, know, eight out of ten. Yeah. Paris
1: was Hilton so- was better than Florence Pugh on Midsummer, bro. I'ma say it. Bro, Paris,
3: Paris Hilton snapped the soundtrack was by I remember when I because I, I watched it not even that long ago, because I think I saw the original, which was I, I don't when did that come out? Like the I don't even know how that the original was really, really old. But it then, was
0: sixties. Yeah. I cause it was like Vincent Price. It was either fifties or sixties. Yeah,
3: yeah, and I remember I saw I, I saw the the other one on Discord with my friend, like the two thousand five version. And yeah, it was just song after song after. So- I was like, and then it just ends with My Chem. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, and not even like kind of good songs by these bands. Like one of Marilyn Manson's best songs, one of Interpol's best songs. It's like I don't understand who who made this movie. Could did an amazing job, and it was great. It was suspenseful. It was super fun. Like. I love yeah. that
1: movie. I still remember the fucking tendon cutting scene with the big ass scissors.
3: Yep. Yep. That movie's
1: crazy good.
3: Yeah, that shit is fire. That shit is so fire.
1: But but yeah, no, the Vincent Price one, the original one, so it's so good. I I yeah. I I think that even the really great re- remakes, almost nothing is ever better than the original. Uh, but I think that if you're gonna do a remake, it's gotta be at least like that good. Like I feel like so yeah. many remakes from like. 2020s had just been so mediocre it's like man don't don't why stop doing it
0: but then when they do make a great one then it's like okay yeah this is a one that you know (laughs) and i i also i kind of defend remakes as because like whenever they make a remake whether they make it for like there's an actual artistic reason to make it like Mm -hmm. john carpenter's the thing Mm -hmm. like john carpenter remade that movie it's so different from the nineteen fifties thing from Another World. But it's yeah. so good. And a hot take, John Carpenter's the thing's pretty good. Um yeah. but, <laughs> but like <Pretty. laughs> but like oh uh or if you you know you can tell this movie's being remade because the studio just wants like some, some yeah. cash. Um, and you can tell it's being made for bad reasons. Even when a remake comes out and is super shit, there's always like excitement for yeah, that is true. the original and it brings that original back into the spotlight. Yeah. So even if the remake or the sequel
1: sucks, then it's like, oh yeah, the original's still pretty good. It's still getting attention. Yeah. Uh, I was, yeah. I was going to say when you mentioned that the thing is that that is one of the movies that. When I first watched it, I loved it. And it took me years and years and years to find out it was a remake in itself. I didn't know until yeah. I, I I saw an interview of Martin Scorsese and he was saying, oh yeah, The Thing for the other one. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> it was like, there's a thing before The Thing? Because that remake is just that good that it's like, it, it makes it like as if there has not been something before it.
0: And it's so funny because I feel like everyone in our generation grew up with the 80s The Thing as like their the one they remember best. But my grandpa showed me the one from the fifties when I was little. So I have more nostalgia for the fifties one. And he didn't, he didn't like the eighties one. Cause you know, when he was a kid, the fifties one was out. So, yeah. Um. So the eighties one, cause they hated the thing in the eighties, like the critics, mm-hmm. everyone who saw it. Cause yeah. people weren't ready for that. You know, it wasn't until 30, 40 years later where people were like, oh, wait, this shit rocks. Yeah. But when it came out, no, people were ruthless. And I, f- I heard
1: shit about like that, about the fly as well. The, the, yeah. The, um, well, David Cronenberg's the fly Yeah. Uh, because of the body horror. I think body horror has always gotten like a little shunned. Even that one movie, Jacob's Ladder, that never even became popular because yeah. of how fucking dark Such- it was.
3: Such a good fucking movie.
0: Oh yeah, Jacob's Ladder. That one, I I first saw that when I was in college. I was like, "Damn, <laughs> <laughs> that was a that was an experience."
3: <laughs> I got to uh, I got to shout out one movie. Uh, sure. It's not a horror movie, but well, it's not even a movie actually. It's a TV show, but it's made by someone that um, makes movies. And mm-hmm. uh, our first song on this record. Um, I forgot what Damien was originally going to call it, but it starts with the line, this is how the world ends. And that's, there, there's a director named Greg Araki, who does, I wouldn't say he does exactly horror movies, but he's very like, I don't know. Body centric, horror. Yeah, essentially mm-hmm. body horror type stuff sometimes. And he he's like one of my favorite directors. We actually got to meet him, which is cool too. That's um, awesome. And uh, yeah, I got to shout him out. So if you're watching this and you've gotten this far, you should watch the movie nowhere by gregoraki um it's
0: goaded as fuck adding that to the watch list yeah that sounds awesome
3: yeah you should watch it and then dm the page and let us know what you think
0: (laughs) oh definitely it's fucking crazy i definitely will and yeah so i'm i'm gonna add that to the watch list i'm i love I love this. If you guys came for Resident Evil, we talked about it a little bit. We we got some Resident Evil in there, but I'm very happy it just turned into a 2000s nostalgia (laughs) because, yeah, nostalgic for the 2000s. And it's
3: very uh, it's very on par with us. If you if you (laughs) like that, that. We didn't listen to the prompt and we did whatever we wanted. You'll like our music because that's what
0: we <laughs> did. <laughs> we just do whatever we want.
3: Thanks.
0: <laughs> if you guys want like a time capsule 2000s double feature.
3: Okay.
0: One for me, it works for me. And I'm interested to see if you guys like it or not. Double feature Mean Girls Ooh. with Jennifer's body. Oh, fuck yeah. (laughs) It takes you back. It takes you back. Yeah, Uh, so good. Speaking about great soundtracks, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, I mean,
3: Jennifer's Body is also one of my favorite fucking movies. Mean Girls is also one of my favorite fucking movies, because I grew up with a sister, and I shamelessly fucking love that movie. It's so good. I rewatched it not even that long ago. It's still fucking hilarious. Like, everything about that movie is so funny and the craziest thing about that movie is it's now like 20 years old or whatever and the differences between like you could watch Mean Girls it being 20 years old and there's not that much like it doesn't feel like it's 20 years old you know but if you do that the same thing and you do like Heathers versus like Mean Girls or something like that the 20 year difference is so stark between like just everything like yeah all the culture of uh, the style everything is completely different but I will double, I will do that. I will watch Jennifer's body. And
0: yeah, just I think it works way. so well. <laughs> through, through the trees,
3: yeah. the song, the rock song, and uh, Jennifer's through behind. the trees, that is good. It's so valid. it's so good. So good. Yeah,
0: so I'm gonna wrap it up because I will talk Got about you. these two movies for another hour. I know you guys have <laughs> stuff, I know you guys have stuff to do. Um, but I gotta ask. The title of the show is "Would You Die?" If you guys found yourself in the world of Resident Evil,
1: <laughs> I, I meant, what do I'm you ready, die? Bro. I'm re- hell no, I'm ready. I'm taking that T virus straight to the jugular, bro. I'm, I'm becoming <laughs> metahuman.
0: <laughs> hell yeah! Does that does that count as like a death? Are are you still like you when that happens? Like, I, don't I guess know. it
2: depends on the <laughs> virus you inject,
0: but gotcha yeah could be. i think
1: um, it was like if, if if it was like people infected with the virus that they were dead they'd come back as zombies but when you take it when you're still alive you just become this monstrosity that's like half conscious
0: that's amazing <laughs> i would definitely die
3: yeah no i would definitely <laughs> die like i'm not i'm not built for that like that My- like- I'm not built. I'm not built to kill fucking a million zombies, dude. I'm not trying to do that, bro. I'm bro gonna, not Leon. I'm gonna put on fucking mean girls in Jennifer's body and fucking <laughs> then I'm gonna die.
0: That is iconic. I know the way I'm gonna die. I'm gonna I'll last like 10 minutes because I just feel like immediately I'll see like one of those zombie dogs. I'll be like, oh, puppy. And then the zombie <laughs> dog's going to get me. <laughs> oh, man.
2: oh, For sure. The dogs. It's always the dogs.
0: <laughs> so this has been great. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show. And uh, thank you. Getting, getting nostalgic of the 2000s with me, introducing
1: me to Resident Evil. Where can people find y'all in your band? on instagram uh we're the requiem.band um our link trees there with all our other socials like twitter and all that we also post our discord on on instagram if anyone wants to join that and you can find our music in all streaming services
0: awesome thank you guys once again this has been a blast
1: thank you austin was, Nice to thank meet you. you man. For having us. Peace.
0: thank you for listening to today's episode thanks again to damien felipe and salem for joining me today i'm excited to check out the rest of the resident evil world and it is always a great time to get nostalgic for the early 2000s sure i knew things weren't great then but like also i was eight so also don't forget to check out the requiem's new album a cure to poison the world on february 16th 2024. i made an uh uh-oh with the scheduling this episode was going to come out a little later but You know, scheduling things is weird sometimes as a podcaster and I had this episode recorded and I wasn't going to miss a week, so yeah. The Patreon is back. That's right, if you really want to support this podcast, you can help me directly by subscribing to the Patreon. I retooled it so it's only $3 a month and you'll get exclusive content and live streams for patrons only. Also coming soon is the Would You Die YouTube channel in which I'm developing a lot of fun stuff for, including video analysis, essays, video versions of certain episodes, and more. That channel will be coming soon. Be sure to follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and I'll keep you guys updated. If you like this show, please let me know. Leave a review and rate on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen to this show. Also, feel free to interact with me on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, wherever you're most comfortable. It may not seem like a lot, but trust me, Every single like, share, comment, follow really helps this podcast to grow. And feel free to let me know how I'm doing. What do you guys like about the show, areas I can improve, guests you'd like me to have on, monsters or topics you want me to talk about. Let me know what you guys think. A reminder, I just became an affiliate for Fangoria, one of the premier brands in horror. I definitely recommend checking out their magazine and even subscribing. And if you decide to do that, don't forget to use the promo code what do you Die? Show for 20% off your entire order. You can find the show's social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Woody Show. Also, now you can follow me on TikTok at Woody Die is a partner with the Three Wise Men Media, a Metro Detroit-based group of awesome guys Kyle, Tyler, and Dylan, where they bring you professional wrestling, indie comic books, and so much more. The music you hear in the beginning and end of each episode is composed by my friend Josie Palmer. I made an uh oh with the schedule, so I don't know exactly what's happening next week, but I'll figure something out. Until next time, my moss and Taurus. Try not to die.